Let us pray. Father, we give you great thanks that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, God in man made manifest, came to us to reveal and bring us into your great salvation. So, Lord, speak to us today about that great salvation for us and for all who would call upon the name of the Lord. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. You may be seated. I want to welcome everyone on this first Sunday of Epiphany and thank all of you who joined us for our first annual Epiphany service on Epiphany this past Wednesday. We'll be having a visit by the the Magi, the three kings, a little bit later in our service. And we chose to do that today rather than on Epiphany because that was an evening service and we wanted to make sure that all of our children were able to watch and see that on um, virtually streamed service. Well, this certainly has been a difficult and challenging week in so many ways for each of us, for our church and for our nation. And in light of that, we are going to today, in lieu of the regular prayers of the people, be praying the great litany from our prayer book, beseeching the Lord to heal our land and to heal the divisions and the hurts and the wounds in our land and unite us in our nation, but also make sure and pray that we are united as the people of God. This is something that the College of Bishops has asked us as churches to do, and our own bishop the Right Reverend John Guernsey, along with Bishop Julian Dobbs of the Diocese of the Living Word, actually went to Washington on Thursday early in the morning. And some of you may have seen on the diocesan website or the All Saints website that they prayed the great litany there as well. Um, so we will be doing that and beseeching the Lord for the healing of our land. This first Sunday in Epiphany, this day today, observes the baptism of our Lord. So the scripture readings all connect with this point and this event in Holy Scripture. I'm going to be looking primarily today at this from the context of our New Testament reading from Acts chapter 10. And I would ask you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 38, or pull up that passage on your devices. As we look at the event of today's New Testament reading, it's important for us to begin, I believe, by backing up a little to understand the context of what happens here. Previously in Acts 10, we read, if you back up just a little bit, that God sent an angel to Cornelius in Caesarea. Scripture describes Cornelius in this way in Acts chapter 10, verse 2. A devout man who feared God with all his household gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. That is not a bad way to be remembered in God's word for all time and eternity. A devout man who feared God, who gave generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. May we all be remembered in such a wonderful way. The angel instructs Cornelius to send men, requesting that Peter come and preach to them. While all this is going on in another location, we read that Peter himself falls into a trance while in prayer. And Peter then, in obedience, goes to the home of Cornelius. God also 
before going to the household of Cornelius, gives Peter a vision where a voice comes to him three separate times with the command, what God has made clean, do not call common. Verse 15. Our reading today picks up with Peter's message to those gathered with Cornelius. Cornelius, And this is how Peter starts. Look at verses 34 and 35 of Acts chapter 10 with me. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Let us not somehow miss or underestimate the magnitude of Peter's words here. Coming out of Peter's mouth, these words are astounding. I understand that God shows no partiality. To paraphrase, I now realize that God doesn't play favorites. That is what, in essence, Peter is saying. And again, these words are astounding. Coming from Peter, a Jew, living under the heel of Gentile Roman oppression, and and being spoken to Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian court, And those gathered in his home. So Peter is speaking this not only to Gentiles, but to a centurion, someone who works within the Roman system. God clearly, clearly, as Scripture recounts, has been dealing with Peter's heart, with his prejudices, and with his blind spots. And yes, it is true when we look at the big picture as New Testament scholar F.F. Bruce notes regarding Old Testament Israel, Peter's frame of reference, that God's choice of Israel, Israel was an act of grace. God choosing Israel as his chosen people was an act of grace, not of partiality. But that is not how most Jews, even Jewish Christians in the first century in Palestine viewed things. And it is certainly clear as scripture attests, not how how Peter had viewed things previously. God is dealing with Peter's heart in profound ways. And as Peter responds in obedience, God is aligning his heart and the heart of the entire early church more and more fully with God's heart and with the essence of the gospel. Again, look at verse 35. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. In every nation, literally in the Greek, every ethnos, in every people group, every people group. And brothers and sisters, that is what Epiphany, this season of Epiphany Epiphany is all about. The revelation of who Jesus the Messiah is, not only to Jews, but also to Gentiles, to the whole world, to the whole world. We see this in the fact that God revealed the birth of Christ to Magi, to these pagan Gentile astrologers, representative of all Gentiles. But Epiphany is not simply about an observance observance on the church calendar or a liturgical season. Although it is incredibly important to have a season on the church calendar immediately following Christmas to emphasize these scriptural truths. But Epiphany is about the essence of the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. That God shows no partiality. Did you hear me? Do you believe that? That God shows no partiality. And as verse 38 of Acts 10 tells us about Jesus, he went about doing good and healing all. Did you hear that? All who were oppressed by the devil. This is the heart of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. We see this, we read this repeatedly in in God's word. In the prologue to John's gospel, John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, we're told, but to all, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We see it in the angel's announcement to the shepherds at Christ's birth. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel said to them, saying to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all, all the people. We see this in the prophetic words of Simeon when Mary and Joseph presented Jesus at the temple in Luke chapter 2. Lord, Simeon says, now you are letting your servants depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This great salvation through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone is for all peoples in every nation, for people from every nation, from every tribe, and from every tongue. But Peter continues, as I've already referenced, by talking about the essence of Jesus' earthly ministry, verses 37 through 38. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This statement by Peter connects directly with our gospel reading of the events at Jesus' baptism. It connects directly with John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus at this event that is recorded in all four Gospels. This event marks, Jesus' baptism marks the launching, or if you will, the inauguration of his ministry as Messiah. But hear me, to be clear, it is not somehow as if Jesus became Messiah or God the Son at that point. Jesus did not become God the Son at that point. He has been forever, eternally God the Son. Nor did somehow Jesus become the Messiah at this point. His messianic ministry is eternal and was announced to Mary and Joseph even before he was born. In our Acts reading, Peter emphasizes the fact that all that Jesus did was through the anointing with the, po- with the power, excuse me, with, through the anointing with the Holy Spirit and power. I'm going to talk about that in part two of this sermon because this is going to be a two-part sermon. But this too, that Jesus acted in the anointing and the power of the Spirit is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy about Jesus the Messiah. 
In Isaiah 42, verse 1, we read, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. In Isaiah 42, verses 6 through 7, we read, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. And in similar continuity and New Testament fulfillment, we read these words in Isaiah, which Jesus quotes in St. Luke's Gospel. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. So what is God saying to us, All Saints Church, through these scriptures at the start of this new year, at the start of 2021? What is God saying to us in the midst of such a challenging season, even as we continue to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic? The scriptural truth that that God shows no partiality, that God has no favorites, weighed heavily, incredibly heavy upon me as I prepared this sermon earlier this week. And it was one of those times when I believe that God was speaking to me, not believe, God was speaking to me as rector of All Saints Church in very strong and profound ways, in continuity with things he's speaking to me and to us prior to this, but it was a, I had such a strong sense that God is speaking things to us for this year. So what is the Holy Spirit speaking to us as a church? And the essence of what I came to as I, as I was riveting and continue to be drawn back to Acts 10.34, that God shows no partiality, that God shows no favoritism is that I found myself more and more and more and more burdened and convicted than ever that God is calling us to reach our neighbors right down the hill, right down the hill, right around the corner, if you will, here in Dale City. And that doesn't mean we don't try to reach people by God's power and that we don't work to reach people in our broader community. And it certainly does not mean that we somehow lessen our focus on partnering with missions and missionaries across the United States and around the world. In fact, we should be praying for God to enable us and equip us and empower us to do more of those things. It's never an either or. We do our community or we reach the world. It's always when we look at God's word of both ends. I'm reminded of the words of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's come back for a moment to our neighbors right down the hill here in Dale City. 
our Jerusalem because that is, this is our Jerusalem. This is our neighborhood. And let's come back to God's call to All Saints Church. For so many years, this church, this congregation was placed on Saratoga Lane, plopped down, if you will, in the middle of a residential community. And God did absolutely incredible, wonderful things in people's lives. God did amazing things at Saratoga Lane. I've heard the stories from some of you about what God did in your life in those days and how also God brought people to that church on Saratoga Lane or even specifically how he brought some of you there when you couldn't even find where the church was. You had to ask, you had to search. It may have taken you a week or two to even figure out where the church was back in the days before GPS and Google Maps. But in God's timing, he brought us from Saratoga Lane to this place, to this land. And that didn't just happen. It was a journey of prayer and fasting and waiting on the Lord and seeking his face. It was a journey of faith and obedience and trust in God and a journey of self-sacrifice for so, so many of you. And so many who have now gone on to be with the Lord even. And there were specific words of prophecy that were given about and over this land which God has brought to pass. And there are prophecies, some of, prophecies, some of which God will still bring to pass or will bring to pass in greater measure as we continue by, to walk by faith and to press into what he is saying to his church, his call for us. In the interior walls of this building, on the structure, the steel of this building, there are scriptures that many of you wrote on those very beams as this building was being constructed. Words of God's promise from Holy Scripture. And the fact is, brothers and sisters, God has entrusted us with this land and he has brought us as a congregation to this place for such a time as this. Think about it. God has brought us to and placed us on geographically one of the highest points in the entire Woodbridge area. Not to be a fortress with walls and gates, but to be a lighthouse to the people of this community. Do you understand we are literally just yards from what is statistically the busiest and most traveled stretch of interstate highway east of the Mississippi River in the United States? Do you understand that I-95 between Washington, D.C. and Fredericksburg is the most heavily traveled stretch of interstate highway other than I-5 on the West Coast? And what about our neighbors just down the hill, just around the corner in Dale City? Do we realize that right now, statistically, and I, I did current research, not census data from 10 years ago to, to, to develop this. Do we realize that Dale City is now 70% non-white? That more than 29% of our neighbors in Dale City 
29% were born in another country. Let's put that in real numbers for a moment. More than 22,300 people, our neighbors in the Dale City zip code, were born in another country. 22,300. The reality is that God has brought the nations of the world to our doorstep. God has brought the ethnos, all of these people groups, right to our doorstep. Do you realize that 43% of the residents of Dale City speak primarily a language other than English at home? 43%. And that's not all Spanish. Spanish only accounts for 26% of that grouping. Slightly more than half. Here's the fact, All Saints Church. God who is no respecter of persons, God who shows no favoritism, has brought the nations of the world right here to us. People from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. This is our Jerusalem. And God, there's no way around it. This is our Jerusalem. God is indeed calling us to reach them with the gospel and lead them by God's power into lives of being disciples of Jesus Christ. Will we step out in faith as this church has done so many times before? in so many seasons before, are we prepared to step out in faith and say, God, we can't do this without you. God, we can't do this in the weakness of our flesh. God, we need the power of your Holy Spirit. And God, we need you to burn into our hearts, your heart for the peoples of the world, the heart of you, oh God, the one who shows no favoritism and no partiality. I don't believe that we can sidestep this call. I don't believe that we can try to circumvent this call. I don't believe that we can in any way try to identify a separate calling as part of the life of All Saints Church and continue in obedience to the Lord. This is, brothers and sisters, our Jerusalem. And we are called to reach Jerusalem, Dale City, in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. Two Sundays from now, I'm going to continue this sermon. Next Sunday is Sanctity of Life Sunday, and I'll have more to say about that in just a little while. But in two Sundays, I'm going to continue this sermon, and I'm going to, as God continues to lead, to lay out some first steps, some prayerful strategies, because we can't begin by saying, oh, let's come up with some good ideas to reach our neighborhood. God's already led us to connect with our neighbors, even in the living nativity and the things that God is calling us to do and leading us to do with expanding the food pantry. But there's so much more. We're just scratching the surface right now. But we need God's heart and God's mind 
and Holy Spirit-empowered God-breathed strategies to accomplish God's will. God's will will never be accomplished by his people acting in the flesh and then asking God, oh, come in and bless God what we're doing. No, we need the heart and the mind and the power of God and God's vision and God's plan and God's purpose. And so in two weeks, I'm going to be laying out and mapping out some specific things with regard to prayer, congregation-wide prayer, and prayer strategies and prayer walks. And we, by God's grace and God's power, are going to live into this. And we are going to reach the nations of the world as we support missionaries. But by God's power, we're going to reach the nations of the world right here at our doorstep as well. Even now in the next two weeks, I would ask all of you, to begin praying this to this end together with me. To begin seeking the face of the Lord. In the, midst of the, in the midst of the turmoil. In the midst of all the divisiveness in our nation. That this church would be a lighthouse. One Lord from many peoples for the glory of God's name. Will you pray that with me? Let us pray. Oh Lord, you have called us to this place for such a time as this. And you are truly no respecter of persons. Every one of us who has been transformed by Jesus Christ is testimony to that reality. Lord, burden our hearts afresh and deep, powerful, and profound ways for this community. God, align our hearts. God, realign our hearts, change our hearts. That we would be fully aligned with your heart. Lord, do in us even what you worked in St. Peter in the early church. Strip away, God, our biases, our prejudice our small vision and fix our eyes on Jesus. Give us your power. Give us your grace that we would take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Amen.